Welcome back to South of the Eight. <clears throat> Welcome back to South of the Eight. No, 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 no. Welcome back to South. Nope. <laughs> interrupt this program to bring you a special report welcome back to south the eight and man that feels pretty good to say i know it's been a while it's been months really but you know what it happens life gets in the way uh you know i feel like we all have those hobbies where well i don't know about you but i'm a serial hobbyist i'm the kind of person that i'll get really into something pick it up throw my entire life at it and then I don't know. It just sort of dwindles <laughs> and it's not something I'm proud of is I know it's an active problem, definitely a vice, but I will say a podcasting was definitely one of those things I didn't want to do that with. So even though it took some time, I am back. And I think that's what matters, you know, picking it back up uh, right where we left off. And, you know, we're still community based. We're still here for the people. For those who don't know, this is South of the Eight. This is a Spanglish podcast about the best part of San Diego, which is the South Bay, of course. Um, you can come here for information. You can come here for good laughs. Uh, I know I've made better intros, but, you know, it's been a while. I'm a little rusty, and you can definitely tell that in today's interview, which, by the way, big shout out to Anasasi Ochoa. You definitely brought me out of a slump. I've been wanting to do an episode for a while. And to be honest, I've recorded some stuff. And it's just for one reason or another, I always found a reason not to post it. So to the people that I interviewed or even scheduled interviews and never did them, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just out of my groove. But I'm back. I'm back. And I can't wait to keep posting. Don't exactly know how often, but it will be. I'm going to try for at least twice a month for now. And then we'll go back to our regular weekly schedule. With that said, I uh, hope you're all well. I've missed you. And thank you f so much for listening. This is South of the Eight. Anasasi, thank you so much for doing this again. Uh, we're back. South of the Eight is back. It's been a while. I took a, we took a sort of a mental break or uh, mental health break, you could call it. Um, but we're back and I'm glad that you're our first guest. I, I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so good to have you back. Yeah, I think 2021 has been the biggest like mental health break <laughs> ever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no kidding. And it's funny because this podcast started with the pandemic, you know, just from being at home. But at this point, we've gone through like different um i would call it like trends right within the uh, within the pandemic we had our stay at home uh time then we had our are we allowed to go out kind of not really judging people on instagram stories and stuff like that <laughs> and then it just went to we're kind of normal but shit's still really bad so i don't know it's just kind of been all over the place but yeah i mean i've been wanting to do this for a while it's just that you know you get busy life happens and then you keep putting it off and then i'm a procrastination expert so but we're here we're here and that's what matters i think so yeah what about, definitely uh, sorry i was gonna say what about you what, what have you been up to i know you've had a lot of changes in your life recently uh, um yeah i think i was gonna preface this this might be the first south of the ace episode that's north of the eight yeah <laughs> that's being recorded north of the eight but yeah, yeah you know just, just finishing school and you know staying active trying to jump into the world of journalism and that's social step. activism which has been pretty cool but yeah I definitely miss all the spots in San Diego for yeah. sure I haven't I was, even given any that taco shops a chance oh, here I, I was just about to ask I was like <laughs> what's settle the debate for us like which one is better but, you know like I think it like in terms it it has to be in terms of like what specifically you're talking about, because right. if you're going to get like a really good burrito, like a California burrito, nobody makes them like they do in San Diego. I agree. Yeah. And, but if you're going to like to get some tacos or something like there's definitely some taco trucks over <laughs> here that have really good street tacos. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of great mom and pop Mexican restaurants. Right. Right. But yeah, but I think as far as food, though, L.A. is. I mean, it's a hot spot, right? Like, I mean, you're talking about a culture clash and just like all sorts of um, inspirations, not just with Mexican food. I mean, um, I feel like San Diego is very uh, TJ influenced, you know what I mean? North influenced, so meat, right? And then you have your mariscos, but it's mostly meat and tacos. 
but LA, it's even more of a melting pot of Mexicans. So I'm sure that they have like South, South Mexican food over there. That's a lot better than here in TJ or San Diego. So that might be different in that sense. Yeah. And you know, not even just like Mexican food or Latin American food. LA is one of the biggest places that has such a wide range of different neighborhoods and different cultures and flavors that you can get into, whether it's Korean food or, you know, some Mediterranean food or some Italian food. There's a lot of different places. Yeah, that's really cool. I like to visit. I'll say that. (laughs) I don't know that I live in LA. Um, but I definitely like to visit and you know what I mean? It's cool. To, I mean, it's cool to be sort of like a tourist in your own area. You know, I mean, LA is not that far from us. Um, so every once in a while, you always sort of end up passing through there or something like that. But anyway, congratulations on the move. Uh, best of wishes and everything you're doing. Journalism is amazing. I, if anything, we definitely need more people looking for the truth, you know, in this time and age when anyone and anyone can be a journalist and I catch the irony of the fact that I have a podcast. So, you know, I get that, but um, just the fact, just with the misinformation in general, you know, it's crazy to think that at one point in time, maybe there was sort of an idea of like journalism integrity, you know, to a certain extent. And at this point, a lot of people will just be like, hey, what gives me the biggest bucks, right? Like if I can promote some supplements, I'll just talk out of my ass and say it's true. So, you know, kudos to you for following such a (laughs) a treacherous uh, career for sure. Yeah, you know, I don't really necessarily think it's about, quote, telling the truth, but it's about who's telling the truth and who is telling the stories that pertain to specific communities And right now that's definitely a huge issue within the journalism community is that we, and just storytelling in general, like any, anything in the entertainment industry, we need to make sure that the right people are are telling the stories of their own people and that they're sticking, sticking to, I guess, like their own characters, their own, their culture without adhering to stereotypes or adhering to anything that's, something that has been created to otherize marginalized communities. Yeah. It's actually interesting you say that because um, a lot of times you hear things like Taco Bell, the most uh, popular Mexican place in the U S you know, and it's always people uh, raging, uh, raging out and saying like, Oh, how could they say Taco Bell? Like there's so much good Mexican food. And at the end, I'm like, dude, it's 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 got to be a white guy, man. Like that's posting this uh, this thread or making this article. Like, why do you guys need so much validation from people that clearly don't take us seriously? Um, and like you said, like a lot of the time, like we want to hear our stories from our people. So, but people still get upset, you know, because they're like, well, you know, there should be more of this, there should be more of that. And it's like that's not gonna happen until people that look like us and have experienced the same stuff we have are saying the stories. You know, because again, yeah, you can argue all day with someone that wrote an article about Taco Bell, but I mean, that dude wrote it and he clearly believes it. So it's kind of hard to change your mind at that point. Yeah. And that's honestly a huge issue that happens within minority groups or marginalized communities is this, I, I don't want to say it's a fear, but this concern over what we appear to be from the mainstream which we know to be a white male gaze but personally for me i'm not interested in what they have to say about us and what stories are telling because we already know that history has been erased basically (laughs) to give them the upper hand to show them as you know like the white savior and i would frankly be more um I just want to know how we are, how we're using, we're telling our own stories and that they're being told in the right way. Yeah, exactly. I, again, and it's, it's got to come from like the survival aspect of things, right? It's a lot of the reason that many people, you know, the Spanish gets lost between generations because one, they were afraid of speaking their own language from, you know, just to seem even more excluded, despite the fact that obviously we look different, but you know, it's just generations trying to survive. And at a certain point, you look back and you're like, fuck, maybe I should have kept my language. Maybe I should have taught my kids more about our culture. And it's all these little regrets, but that come with a price, I guess you could say, because again, people are just trying to make a living, trying to survive, make the best for their family. So I feel like our generation, 
um, or maybe not necessarily generation, but like our point in time is that we are, it's not frowned upon for us to be proud of who we are. You know, it's, it's, I mean, we're not just say with pride, but we're always like, fuck yeah, man. It's, and it's in my IG bio too. You know, So it's just one of those things that just carry so much more weight that back then might've been scary for some people. You know, when you look back to things like uh, uh, Susu riots and things like that, right. People just trying to embrace their own thing and their own culture. And literally the, the U S saying like, no, you're the enemy. Right. And sure. You can blame it on cotton and things like that. And like the rationing, but it's like, right. But you also just sort of let a bunch of military people be the hell out of minorities, you know, and start all these crazy riots and, and the cops weren't helping and, you know, and just the, probably the justice system was horrible as well. So it's just, we've turned a leaf for sure. And, um, but that said, I, I feel like it still carries weight, you know, when we say that we're proud of who we are and we want to tell our stories. And it's so funny, like seeing the parallels with, the Mexican identity and the Chicano identity because there's this like mestizaje that happens this conflict with who we are you know being Chicano we have we feel attached to an American identity but also to a Mexican identity Mexican roots and the same thing happens in Mexico where we have a combination of indigenous culture and Spanish culture that is still very much alive like it was funny I don't know if you've seen the Netflix series that literally just came out on Friday. It's called Mayan the Three. I want to watch it with my kid. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty cool. Like you oh, know, yeah. it, it's it's the same guy who did the Book of Life, yeah, the right, right, artist right. and everything. So um, he like it was funny. Like it started off pretty cool, and but there's and they started speaking like they're speaking English, but they also started speaking Spanish. Oh, wow. And it's like and so I was telling my boyfriend I was like, oh, I why are they speaking Spanish? Because you know they're like an indigenous group, and right, he right. just looks at me. He's all like, well, it's not like they're gonna speak an indigenous language right now. Yeah. So I was like, I guess that's right. Squid Games and put the subtitles in. <laughs> For real, why not? But yeah, but yeah, it was it. I. It's so pretty good but yeah but basically like what i'm saying is that we we need to understand the duality that exists within our identities and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with feeling attached an attachment to both sides because that's literally the makeup of who we are yeah you know what's funny um i I grew up you know here in the u.s but most of my family's in tj or parts of mexico and it's always like every time i go to family parties i was always the dude that was like the try hard Mexican you know what I mean the dude that had the flag in his room and had like oh yeah Mexican pride you know my cousins were like what are you doing dude it's not that big a deal and I'm like no dude I'm compensating you don't get it (laughs) my Spanish wasn't great and I was just like I'm just trying to survive and obviously you overcompensate and things like that but yeah it's just it, it is tearing especially when like both sides sort of look at you like no no you're you're over there kind of thing you know yeah, definitely. Like when it comes to Chicano culture, it's funny how you talk about like overcompensating too, because I definitely felt that a lot when I was little. Yeah. Um, not and I we have slightly different experiences, you know, just because my uh, I'm second generation, so yeah. I had a different like childhood growing up because I have parents who were born in the United States, but I still felt this attachment to Chicano culture to something mm-hmm. that was that I could feel like I had a claim to that was exclusively mine because again like some growing up in a household where your parents were born in Mexico it's 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 obviously different and even though I had that exposure to Mexican culture it wasn't prominent every single day of my life you know no yeah for sure I and but you know what I mean I, I feel like a lot of the experiences are shared in the sense that it's still sort of the same struggle, you know? I mean, maybe like some things might be, maybe the music they're listening at home, maybe you're listening to all these and I'm over here listening to Juanga, you know what I mean? So it's just like, <laughs> it's like, uh, you'll have a little bit of differences here and there, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, we're just, we're both, we're just both trying to survive, you know? Just trying to like, and especially when you're so young and um, I feel like everything should have been a little easier, you know, less worrisome and things like that. Um, I noticed that a lot of people, when I talked to a lot of like American friends, they weren't going through like the existential crisis that I was uh, at a very young age, you know, uh, not just about like switching my language, but about just seeing cultural things, you know, of, like my parents not understanding um, like the American school system. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, A is good. Oh, so A is okay. 
bees are like a nine, like an unueve, and like, see, you know, like just trying to like correlate their own experience to like what I was going through. So that was super interesting. Um, and looking back, um, it just, I mean, it seems so normal at the time, but looking back, it's like, oh yeah, I guess that was kind of a struggle, but now here we are, you know, I mean, it's been done before and it'll keep being done, but, but yeah, it's interesting for sure. So anyway, um, for those who missed it, which is a lot of people, <laughs> we had a bit of a culture clash. So it was super awesome on Twitter. Um, we had a great conversation about different topics and today we might hit some of those, uh, we might not, but I know we wanted to start on sort of representation versus appreciation, you know, with the holidays coming up. And first of all, do you like uh, Halloween? Are you a Halloween person at all? I mean, I was always like a Halloween person in that as growing up as a kid, I was always looking forward to what my costume was going to be yeah. that year. Like I, it was definitely like, I have good memories, trick-or-treating growing up um going with my friends um and then I also like had a very strong attachment to Dia de los Muertos right right so it was it was cool getting to experience those both things which are completely different <laughs> again we need we, we need to yeah, remind blur, the audience blur the lines between that yeah it's interesting yeah. Nothing makes me cringe more than if people are like, yeah, Dia de los Muertos is like Mexican Halloween. It's like, no. It's really not. It's, it's really, really not. not. <laughs> but you yeah. know what I mean? It's, I think it's the skeletons that gets them, you know? It's the skeletons. But my thing is, is like, if you're going to paint your face like as a calavera right. for Halloween, you're you're doing it because you're you're just do you want a, a cool mask you right, you right. want a cool you're you're I get it you're appreciating the art of it but at the same time you know I need to represent understand what the symbol of the Katrina is what the symbol right. of and the Katrina actually has a lot of um, revolutionary history right. um, it was created by Jorge Luis Posada in the 1930s during the time of the Mexican Revolution. And it's it's an image that is circulating a lot. It's like one of the most popular images of where she has the giant, the huge hat, um, yeah. the huge hat, and it was basically symbolizing that um, there is no class divide um, yeah. up during death when when death happens. Huh. You know, like all your money is gone. Like even even the rich can't escape death. Right, right, right. You can't pay your way off of debt. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I, I had no idea. I know that like. Um, you know, imagery like that, not just a Katrina, but things like uh, the very famous one I see, I feel like it's like Frida Kahlo, um, you know, things like that. Um, they get a little bit overused and commercialized, you know, and, and and right now I see it a lot with the um, ragdolls, like the Michoacan ragdolls that are like in the Michoacana logos and stuff like that. And when it's like a Mexican business, I'm like, well, yeah, whatever. But then, you know, you start seeing it in stickers and stuff like that. Yeah, here in the U.S., I'm like, oh, that's, uh, I don't know how I feel about that, you know. So, is there is there really a line between like over commercialization of like our um, culture, and then just people being like, no, I just really like the image and it looks really cool, and I want it on my flask, you know? Is there is there a line there, or is it just kind of a free for all? You think? Well, I don't think a lot of people know that Frida Kahlo would have hated how she <laughs> yeah. has been come modified was, yeah. because she was one of the biggest um uh proponents of socialism yeah. of like how she she was she was like waving the the red what was the red flag is yeah, it the, the red flag hammer and sickle, yeah. <laughs> the hammer and sickle and so it the irony of how she has yeah, been converted into one of the greatest symbols of mexican culture and as she should be i still not, not saying that she shouldn't be celebrated right, because right. she was an amazing artist along with diego rivera but I think we need to examine the ways we kind of like, I, I guess, Appreciate like flip someone, uh, yeah, flip someone's yeah. image just for the sake of saying, oh, look at my Frida Kahlo bag, look at my Frida Kahlo earring, but it's so yeah. cute. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I see the same thing with like things like Cher, uh, Che Guevara, where I'm like, dude, these people are rolling in their graves, you know, like they are. I mean, they're commodified. And again, yeah, I, and it's crazy because I too would love, you know, a poster uh, or whatever. And it's like, so it's kind of that struggle that I have myself um, when I see things like that. I mean, just the fact that like the, for example, like a, a book on socialism, you know, called Death to Capitalism. I don't know that it exists, but I'm just saying like a book called Death to Capitalism can be found on Amazon is hilarious, you know, and we eat it up. And I, I hate to admit it, but I eat that shit up, you know, because I'm like, oh, I'm sticking it to the man by, <laughs> by reading theory. And it's like, yeah, dude, but you just met Jeff uh, Bezos a little, a little richer. 
So it's it's a struggle, I think. But not not that it shouldn't be done, right? I mean, uh, people would say like, I think it's funny hitting on socialism. I'll try not to go on a rabbit hole. I promise. Um, and people always be like, you you know, you can't hide capitalism. You know, you have a phone. And it's like, dude, it's because I participate in capitalism that I fucking hate it. <laughs> you know, it's because I struggle with it and because I am so dependent. Like, I admit the fact that I'm addicted to the Internet, you know, and just because I know I am doesn't mean I don't agree on, like, putting limitations and, and things like that. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit of a rant there. Um, anyway, so, but, but, like, back to appreciation, right? So things like dressing up like um, uh, Katrina's and things like that. Um, I see it a lot also with like charros, right? With charros are going to do events or anything like that for Halloween or around the time. Would you say that's a little bit more like, eh, all right, like you kind of embody the culture a little better? I mean, I don't see so many people dressing up as charros. Um, I think also because that out that outfit is a lot more yeah. intricate and it's yeah. like, Expensive. that's going to cost you some, yeah. some money. Uh, for me, it's more seeing like the people that are wearing the sombreros and the tarapes and the little yeah. the gun, the bullets around yeah. their chest. And it's just like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you like, doing? Yeah. It, and it is funny because people will be like, well, what's wrong? You know, and it, it, you could tell. Well, I guess we could tell, but most people could tell when someone is really just half assing it and just going off of stereotypes. Right. And, or yeah. not just stereotypes, but like the most minimal research or the most minimal effort, like the sombrero and the sarape, which is crazy like one of my favorite. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say one of my favorite scenes um, from the first season of On My Block mm -hmm. was um, it was like a Halloween episode and they're in like the rich part of town in a, yeah. like a Los Angeles suburb. And there's this white kid dressed up like a cholo yeah. and spooky goes um, <laughs> and he goes he, to pick up his he goes to pick up his little brother and he like wipes off the tear that he drew on on his face yeah. and he's just like super scared <laughs> and that speaks volumes about yeah. how people are dressing up like even and that was something that I saw like when we went to high school for Halloween oh, yeah, like yeah, for sure. people dressing up like just because you're Mexican doesn't mean you have your doesn't make it okay that right. you're dressing up as a caricature of a lifestyle that literally kills people that right. is not something that is up I mean it is a choice but some people don't have a choice right. in in that they have to do that to protect their family or to ensure their own safety and it's something that people need to consider moving forward yeah it's definitely feel like it, it's like minimalizing the struggle of an entire culture right and like that that's what that cholo culture is it or sorry that is what cholo a, a lifestyle is right it's a culture it's a subculture whatever you want to call it but it's uh um, certain group of people have been marginalized and stereotyped and you know mistreated and judged just by the way they look and like you mentioned like a lot of times it isn't an option I mean uh, for a lot of people I'm sure if you're going around those communities you probably dress like it to survive right to not be picked on to not stand out to sort of blend in with the masses um, so many people do it as an option or sorry people do it as like a, a gimmick or something like that especially when it's super disrespectful like putting the um the teardrop right and like so much history behind that itself um it, it is it's insane and it's crazy because people will be like what well right now it's just the idea of like cancel culture and wokeism right and it's like oh my god woke culture is destroying our is the american way and like cancel culture is the worst right um ironically the people that complain the most about cancel culture love cancel culture right but anyway i digress um it's just crazy to think that like, um, you know, the things have been so bad for so long that obviously the pendulum's gonna fucking swing. You know, I don't agree with say a lot of the things that people are like, well, you can't necessarily say that, right? Like, I'll be like, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from and I think it's overcorrection, but it is needed. You know, again, because shit's been so bad for so long, obviously the pendulum's gonna swing the other way very hard. Um, I don't take uh, um, offense to it. Uh, you know, if someone comes up to me, it's like, oh, you know, don't say that it triggers me. I'm like, sure, whatever. Like, I, it's a little adjustment I get to do on my life that's going to help them, you know, in the long run. Um, but it's crazy to think that people get hung up on things like that so much, you know. So, like, what's one thing that you feel that, you know, you feel is, like, too much as far as people wanting to 
cancel certain things or something that might be a trigger? Um, what can you say? Well, okay, like perfect example. Uh, like the whole Dave Chappelle thing, right? I agree that he's transphobic. I agree that he's taking it too fucking far. He is such a great comedian, and I wish he wouldn't wasn't so obsessed with destroying, I know his image or uh, whatever. Not that it ever will. He's still selling out arenas, but um, it's such a fucking bummer that he's still stuck on that, right? Like he's still trying to sort of punch down despite everything. Um, that said, that's an extreme, and I still think there is comedians sort of in the middle that still say risque jokes without being offensive you know, but comedians get painted sort of with a broad brush and they're like, oh, comedians shouldn't make jokes about that. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe they shouldn't say jokes like that, but certain things should be able to be joked about, you know, especially in the content of like entertainment, right? And like people are paying, especially nowadays with everything is so um, custom made, right? Like there could be a YouTuber that has 10 million views and you don't never know who they are. For a certain audience, it should be okay. Again, there's levels and who could even ever monitor that. But just the fact that like all comedians get drawn with like, we'll never even mention that. It's like, well, I don't know, like it, like if it's done right and it's not punching down, what's wrong, you know? Yeah, and you know, I definitely agree with you too. Like I really like Dave Chappelle's stuff I thought he he was really groundbreaking in terms of the fact that he was one of the first black comedians to have his own show and yeah. where he created skits that were specific to the black experience but I think you use the phrase perfectly when saying that he's punching down yeah. um, even though like he as a black man is able to make jokes about the black experience there are certain things that he can't relate to because that's not his lived experience when it comes yeah. to making um, jokes that are homophobic, jokes that are transphobic. And I don't think it would be so much of a problem if those types of jokes didn't contribute to the violence yeah. against um, the LGBTQ community and trans people, Black trans people specifically. Yeah. And that's something that I think I wish people would understand more is the nuances that come with everyone's separate experience, you know? Like, for example, like you as a Chicano man, I was gonna say man of color, you as a Chicano man, and we as a Chicana, we obviously both have our different experiences when it comes to gender. Yeah. But let's say you, you are um, darker skin than me. So you have a different experience within the Latino community within the Chicano community of how that exists. And so again, there's nuances to how we live our lives on a daily basis. Yeah. and that's something that I think needs to be understood and it's not can't quote cancel I really like I I hate the phrase cancel culture so much now yeah. because of just the way it's been like and you're right like the people who use the term cancel culture are the ones who have like just like love canceling love, shit love love canceling shit. but it's like yeah so again I really think that people it's it's not so much you know oh like we're killing comedy we're we're doing all that it's just examining the ways in which jokes are being told and how those jokes are contributing to the violence against a specific group. And for those who say that, you know, like Dave Chappelle's jokes don't have any weight in terms of uh, um, attributing to the violence, yeah. there was whole movies that were um, basically like talking about the destruction of black people, like the first yeah. major feature film Birth of a Nation had horrible stereotypes, had blackface. And so that was literally like used as a propaganda film for the KKK for the longest time. You know, it's so words matter, me, like media matters, how we see ourselves on film or being told about on film matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy, especially because like someone like Dave Chappelle, right? Like such a legacy. And so, um, I mean, in a sense, like, um, I, I, again, I've watched most of his stuff and I will say like a lot of it is very insightful. A lot of it is very deep and he comes across obviously very charismatic, but also very interesting, very intelligent. So a lot of people will hang on to that. It's like, well, see, he makes sense about this. So he must be right about that, you know? And then he might say like, well, it comes from a good place. And his last special, he mentioned like, well, I have a friend that would have loved these jokes. You know, she was 
a trans woman and she always told me that it was funny that it was fine that she just wanted to be considered a human and it's like yes I understand that that is your uh, prerogative and that is your sort of um, your intention right intention definitely matters but you have to understand that she gets twisted once it's on Netflix someone that hates the LGBTQ plus community is going to look at that and be like, see, I fucking told you I was right, you know, and it just gets fucking twisted. So we have to consider the fact that like, yes, words matter, but also people, right, they always pick and choose what they want to understand. And if we're giving them bullets, they're going to shoot, right? Yeah, totally. And and again, this doesn't just apply to the whole Dave Chappelle situation. This happens when people are making jokes about um, undocumented immigrants, but people yeah. are making jokes about the Latin, Latino community being, you know, just lazy people. And we know our people are some of the hardest working people out there. I will more likely see a, a Mexican person selling whatever on the street, whether it's flowers, tamales or yeah. paletas, and I'll see a white person begging for money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely sort of the, uh, um, what's it called, um, the the backbone of a lot of the history of our culture. It's always just, you know, we're here to survive, man. We're here to fucking hustle. And again, hustle culture in itself is a whole other ridiculous thing. But people have to realize that hustle culture of like getting down and working and then hustle culture and then just want to screw people over. Those are two completely different things, right? Because people always say like, oh man, I'm, I got to hustle, which means like, try, I'm just trying to make a quick buck, right? Get rich quick kind of thing. As opposed to, hey, I'm hustling. I just want a stable job. <laughs> I want to be able to put a roof over my head and feed my family, you know? And those are two very different, very different American dreams, right? Like the idea of the American dream, it's so also commercialized, but it's so... Um, interpret it's subjective it's interpreted by everybody and i feel like there isn't one american dream if there even is one right um everybody just sort of has their own experience and the way we look at things uh influences a lot of what we want right because i might just want a stable job but someone wants to be a ceo and we're both valid and i think that's people need to understand that yeah, you can be a CEO all you want. Just make sure you pay your workers yeah. a fair wage. And pay fucking taxes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what's interesting. I feel like a lot of people um, will say like, well, why are you settling, right? Like I, I get it a lot when I'm like, because uh, I'm doing construction and like after doing EMS for six years, uh, people are like, but you went to school, man. Like you were in an ambulance. Like, what are you doing with your life? And it's like, listen, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't know what I'm doing. But I'm okay right now. And that should be enough. You know, like I am I'm, I'm doing okay financially. Like I, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. But like construction, really? I'm like, what's wrong with it, man? I'm unionized. I have health insurance. I fucking, I'm doing okay. Like, you know, but it's so frowned upon for so many people. Because again, there's this fear of like, well, you should go to school. You're going to end up doing manual labor. Fuck, man. Like what's wrong with manual labor? <laughs> you know? But. Exactly. With, just because like, uh, you know, I, I get the frustration with higher education. Sometimes, you know, yeah. a lot, so many people are in debt and debt right, that right. they will never be able to repay um, for the rest of their life. But we also have to understand that people that belong to a union are making more better money than a lot yeah. of us out here so yeah. we just the same way we need doctors and lawyers and engineers we need obviously people doing the grunt work people doing yeah. the manual yeah. side and you'd be surprised you know what i mean like a lot of people i work with they fucking love their job right uh, again and i was guilty of it too my dad i grew up with my dad always doing construction i um and it was always just sort of like the oh well of course your dad does construction kind of thing you know and i whatever i ignored it growing up um, but I was always proud of them because, again, we always had a roof. We always ate and everything I ever wanted, you know, I, I was happy to have, you know. But uh, I, I, what I was surprised to is when I started working there, these people love their job. I used to think my dad was weird for being so excited to go to work. But, man, these guys like and they're geniuses in their own right. I mean, the shit that these guys know and they do, you know, it's not all just um, shoveling. Right. A lot of it is. But <laughs> a lot of it is also just come putting shit together. A lot of times the engineers will come out and say, oh, you got to do this, this and that. And then all my coworker will be like, well, what about this line? And then, then just fucking blow the engineer's mind. And it happens so often. Um, 
Uh, and it's interesting because, again, people, again, are just trying to make a living. And they shouldn't be frowned upon for what they want to do. Because I will say, right, like people, academia might look down on construction workers. But construction workers sometimes look down on people that are in academia because they're like, well, they're not making enough money. And it shouldn't be that way, right? It's not you, us versus them. It should be like, hey, that's what you want to do. That's cool, dude. Like, good for you. This is what I want to do. And let's just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'd like to think that that's changing, you know, with our our generation coming up and being a part of the working class is that the more we um, are becoming a part of society, the more we see how messed up society really right, is. Right. And how all of us, yeah, we're just out here trying to make a dollar. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, building a pipeline or yeah. swinging on a pole, make your money the way you want <laughs> to make your money. Yeah, right. As long as you're not taking advantage of anyone, I think, yeah, just make your money and survive. And a lot of it also has to do with like, like uh, mental health, I feel like, right? Like, just because someone, because I, I love learning, I love reading, I love um, just finding about new things but I could not do college and I want to go back, you know, I want to at least finish my AA, but man, sitting in a classroom gave me anxiety just because I felt like I felt antsy, you know, um, uh, even when I like my EMS job for five years, I did um, in an ambulance. Right. And I'm jumping around, moving around, doing stuff, driving everywhere. And then for like seven months, I was in an office doing uh, coordinating stuff and I almost lost my shit, you know, and it's like, fuck, man, I thought the office job was the goal. I thought that was like what I wanted to do, you know, eventually move up to that. But I realized it wasn't for me. And it was kind of disheartening because I was always told like, oh, well, you should work in an office with AC, you know, you'll be comfortable. But it's kind of scary that it wasn't. And that's when I realized, I think I was like, oh, yeah, it's everything's I still have yet to find what I want to do just because it, something is painted as like the goal doesn't mean it has to be mine. You know, did you, did you ever, like, I, I, how did you land on journalism? Like, how did you, how did you get to oh, that conclusion? Oh, it, it took a few years, believe yeah. me. Like, it wasn't something that um, I figured out right out of high school, you know. We, we don't need to get into a whole therapy <laughs> session about, um, about my job. But, I mean, what matters is that, you know, I, I, I found what I love to do. And, and I always had, a, I always enjoyed writing. Right. And that's something that I want to add that, that it took me a, a little bit to realize that I wanted to pursue that, but, you know, and it took me even longer, a little longer to realize what I wanted to write about. And it is the stories of my people, my community. Yeah. And that's something that we need a lot more of, but on a serious note, um, is it considered appropriation if I dress up as a construction worker for <laughs> Halloween? No, I don't think so. Unless you, because uh, that's not my experience. <laughs> uh, no, I think as long as you don't, uh, what's it called, do brown face and then wear a mustache, I think you should be fine. <laughs> but uh, not okay. So just not the mustache that I have already. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah as right. long as it's yours. Um, yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned that. You know. Uh, do jobs because there's a lot of jobs right like that are very culture specific right if i dress up as a, like a sushi chef is that appropriation i've seen more mexican sushi chefs than <laughs> asian sushi chefs that's a great point that's a and they taste amazing too right exactly either, you're like a, yeah. no dude just don't dress up as a ninja or a samurai and that's, yeah there you go there you go yeah yeah, no, it's, could be a sushi it's interesting on the like uh, again that line is sort of blurred, and I, I will say I feel like even within different circles, it probably changes. It's very like, um, right, like know your audience. I feel like is what I'm trying to say, you know, and not that, that you're trying to get away with something, but it's like if you know that some people might be offended or some people might be upset, then why rattle the cage? You know, just fucking so do something. There's so many things you could dress up at, right? so many monsters and so many different things that it's like why does it have to be that like you know you're being shitty you know yeah, or trying to be funny but just do something else the problem is is when a costume reduces an identity to a negative connotation yeah. like for example when it comes to a native american whatever i'm going to call it a costume because they're not wearing traditional regalia they're just sticking like a headband with some feathers on their head and whatever yeah. freaking Muck Pocahontas cosplay. Yeah. yeah. And it's, 
it's really like it's again it's we're talking about images that are harmful to a community right. like the whole thing that happened last week with the teacher at Riverside yeah. High School you know I was just like wow we're really and it was something that apparently she had been doing for over yeah. a decade yeah you can tell she was comfortable somewhere. with that fucking channel. yeah yeah and, and it's and it's like you know like Native American groups like they didn't do like yeah they had war cries and war chants but they weren't anything like that yeah they had weapons and stuff but they were for protection they weren't for killing other people even though that like they were obviously like still some like issues between tribes again you're reducing the image to the image of a savage to the image of something that's primal that isn't intelligent and and a lot of indigenous people the first groups that were in the united not even in the americas they were geniuses they were engineers they were architects they were educators and it's not something that we are taught again and this is an issue that we don't see we only see the part where the pilgrims came and they shared a turkey with them and everything was everything was cool and that's really not how it went down and then they asked them politely to move to a different location and they said yeah sure yeah and then also they're like they're like but they get money every month right they get they're getting rich they're fucking millionaires and they don't do anything and it's just like and it's just another fucking rabbit hole of stereotypes and misinformation about native cultures and things like that i i think it's interesting i was watching i can't remember what it was called it's a cartoon on netflix um i think it's called america but one of the things they say right they have a character geronimo it's supposed to be like on the founding fathers and and he mentions like you know you're calling me a cannibal but we never were you know we we were considered cannibals so that king james could justify our genocide you know we're considered savages because if you look down on us then it's easier to wipe out an entire fucking culture you know um despite the fact that a lot of tribes welcomed um what's it called foreigners and things like that especially because they have had the experience of receiving Vikings, which are also super nomadic. And when they received Vikings, from my understanding, you know, it was more of a, oh, hey, like you're just passing by, you know? And then, um, though, again, to my understanding, I might be minimalizing (laughs) an entire uh, issue there. But um, yeah, of course, when people come over, people came over uh, under King James, they obviously didn't, they wanted to take over and, and to this day there's still repercussions of that obviously and yeah i don't know that i don't know that people understand that shit that happened yeah 400 or whatever time ago it's still it could still be doing damage today and what's so frustrating to me is um all of the opponents of critical race theory in the classroom you know they treat critical race theory as something that's so evil and so that's going to be so destructive to the growth of our youth but it's really it's just it's not rewriting history it's correcting history that has been taught to us yeah um yeah it's interesting it's interesting because a lot of people um a lot of those people that are against critical race theory are also against taking down their like uh southern monuments and things like that and it's like like wow we have a very different understanding of history or maybe it's denial at this point it, it has to be right like they have to know that they're in the wrong and they're like well fuck i just i'm too deep i gotta i gotta defend it or i look like an idiot right it's that idea of like tribalism of like you look different and i don't mean maybe it's in a racist way but it's also kind of like because um circles like that are usually um, up, um from communities right the, your neighbor thinks like you so you feel like everybody thinks like you like everybody should agree with you um so when someone from the north or someone from the west it's like you're wrong they feel attacked directly because if one of their ideas is wrong they think they're being like attacked or whatever so yeah, things like critical race theory, I don't even think they understand what it truly is, right? They just think they're going to be told they're the bad guys, which is true, but yeah, I don't know. And those that are so attached to um, their, quote, culture, white American culture, they are start not even starting to realize, but it's it's becoming more 
prevalent that white American culture is deep is directly connected to racism is directly connected to <laughs> yeah. the terrorization of yeah. all these indigenous groups of not just indigenous group of basically anybody that came to the United States that wasn't blonde haired and blue eyed because and also any, with people, money right because like you couldn't vote unless you had land not to say that that's the same as completely disregarding a culture but uh you know when the founding fathers were writing down uh, the declaration of independence and all that stuff in the constitution they weren't thinking of people with no money they weren't thinking of people in debt they weren't thinking of minorities they weren't thinking of the natives they were thinking of specifically on the one percent right the ones oh the ones that are here writing the shit and have money to own land pretty much even the european immigrants that came in the late 19th century the irish the italians yeah the german they were looked down upon because yeah. they were poor because yeah. they had no money and then when they had to get their numbers up around the jim crow era they're like okay well you guys aren't black we're all good well, we're all good yeah that's what's yeah. so interesting about the uh, sort of the trumpism that's going on in in a lot of places like texas right and you have your white tickets and stuff like that where it's like, dude, okay, let's say you get your white America. As soon as that does, guess who's next on the chopping block, dude? <laughs> like after color, it's gonna be origin and you're not gonna make it, dude. And then it's gonna be the out with the Mexicans and then out with the whatever. And then it's gonna be up until like it's Aryan race purity, right? All that incest shit. So like, it's insane that so many white Mexicans are willing to defend something that they are also being targeted against. It's just like you said, they're white people are just trying to up their numbers. So at this point, they're like, oh, all right, we'll, we'll put up with you. Like, it's, it's okay. It's okay for now, but, you know. And, but see, that's the thing is that, you know, like, like all white Mexicans and white Latinos, they understand the, you know, the differences, the divide that they yeah. have, how they, they can claim whiteness because they are white and they can go into a space but they can also say oh well my last name is lopez you know right, my, right. even though i'm like stephanie lopez and i have <laughs> but you know like blonde hair and blue eyes i'm still ethnic so that right. sets me apart from these white american people yeah 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 i guess that's yeah that's a good point yeah you sort of pick and choose right whatever is uh, more appropriate for your situation yeah yeah and then meanwhile a lot of us we don't get to choose you know yeah. if you're if you're brown skin you don't get to choose with, yeah. like you're set apart from the jump if your name is freaking anastasi you're already set apart yeah no not saying i don't like my name I love no my i get name, i get what you mean yeah you, like you it's, it's these things we can't hide at this point you know what i mean um yeah it, it's funny because like i'll have a lot of times if i'm on the phone i can have a pretty white sounding voice and then people see me and they're like, oh, <laughs> and like, I know, I know they don't say it out loud, but you can see it in their face. Like, oh, you're, da oh, you're David. Nice to meet you. And it's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm David. Um, and I'll be like, wow, you have really good accent. <laughs> it's like, maybe because I was fucking born here, dude, <laughs> you know, and it catches me all the time, especially also with like, uh, uh, like Mexican older people where they just come up to me and start speaking Spanish off the bat. And uh, when I was younger, I didn't notice it. I was just like, oh, of course, I'm speaking Spanish. But it took me a while to be like, oh, like, yeah, I just scream Mexican. Like, it's just, you know, and if it does for my people, which is obviously in the best intent, they just need help or they're just trying to make conversation. And it also screams it to other people that are my people. Right. And it just really sets you apart. And yeah, it's interesting. Even within like the Mexican community, like the colorism is, I mean, it's a problem in itself. Right. Yeah, it all just goes back down to empathy, you know, and trying to trying to unlearn what you've been taught, whether it's within your own ethnic group, whether it's within your social class, um, and just understand that everybody's different, and that's okay. We're not we're not separating people. We're just recognizing those differences and celebrating those differences. Yeah. And at the same, but at the same time, you know, understand that you have that everybody has certain privileges, whether it's male privilege, whether it's white privilege, whether it's straight privilege, mm -hmm. there is a lot of things that set us apart and a lot of things that we benefit from. And yeah, I wish more people would understand that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I don't know a lot of times, like, um, like I don't know, I want to say a long time ago, but that's super broad. But I know the idea of like, we're all the same. We're like, we're all humans. Like, I don't, I don't see color. 
uh, you know, <laughs> or things like that. Or it's like, I'm just a human being, you know, like uh, um, things like that. And it's like, no, like we and you said it earlier, but I was like, we are different. Like, it's okay to be different. It's just, we shouldn't be judged for being different, you know, and we should be able to celebrate our differences without uh, feeling, being offended of, by them, right? Like a lot of people, when people are like, oh, well, you know, you're in America, you should be speaking English, <laughs> all that kind of shit, all that racist stuff. It's like, dude, you're so pressed because you don't understand. You had two seconds of a struggle, right? You didn't understand what they were saying. Probably had nothing to do with you. I'm sure it had nothing to do with you. And you were so pressed for those two seconds. Just imagine what entire culture and generations have had to struggle coming to a country where nothing makes fucking sense, you know? Um, but again, the irony is insane. Um, it's just sometimes people look so, they want to be oppressed so hard. And I feel like right now the mask and the vaccine thing is their thing because they just want to be oppressed. They want to be, you want to stick it to the man. They want to be against something and somehow they fucking leached onto this. But yeah. Uh, that's, that's a whole other conversation. I can't even <laughs> like, it's just like, I, we're, we're almost two years into this, which is crazy crazy like i like i'm like where did the second year come from just like everything was such a blur to me and that makes it just even more frustrating that we have we have the tools basically given to us the the steps necessary to end everything to get back to normal and and people are making personal choices but okay we're not going to get into this whole answer (laughs) it's so funny like like that's just that's going to be a whole other yeah it's a whole different fucking podcast but i will say on on the last note it's always the people that are more pressed about finishing this that are unwilling to participate you know um and again i completely believe in uh, your personal rights and medical freedom obviously to an extent but this is not that you know what i mean this is this is beyond that and i feel like it's your privilege is showing you know pretty much you know you were told what to do and you didn't like it and now you're throwing a bitch fit so and i don't know who doesn't want 5g service all the time you know like so (laughs) why why wouldn't you get the vaccine yeah no i've never gone lost you know with my chip and everything i just i'm fine you know (laughs) anyway uh anastasi thank you so much for doing this it was a lot of fun i'm glad we're back we're back and i if you're willing um, I'd be down to do like uh, a monthly culture clash or something like that. You know, let's throw some like we hit a lot of um, uh, sidegeisty things, you know, culture things uh, today. And I'd be willing to do that on a reg if you're down. I mean, sure. If you're down with being on some FBI's FBI <laughs> um, oh, yeah. list. I'm but... super down. Yeah. <laughs>